Sometimes I like to imagine the world after us, the strange mammals that will emerge, the abundance of biodiverse plant life taking over our fields and factories and so on. I don't think this world will be better. I maintain that we are the most interesting thing to happen on Earth, and there is real beauty and meaning in our curiosity and compassion, even as we also cause and witness so much suffering. But at any rate, there will be a world after us, after each of us. And that's why there's life insurance. It exists to provide a financial safety net to those who love and count on you. Policy Genius's technology makes it easy to compare life insurance quotes from America's top insurers in just a few clicks to find your lowest price. With Policy Genius, you can find life insurance policies that start at just $292 per year for $1 million of coverage. Some options offer same-day approval and avoid unnecessary medical exams. So save time and money and provide your family with a financial safety net using Policy Genius. Head to policygenius.com or click the link in the description to get your free life insurance quotes and see how much you could save. That's policygenius.com. Policy Genius. Because there will be a world without us. Hello, it's a cold open this week Ooh. because we have a bit of news. The first bit of news is that Dear Hank and John, as well as the Anthropocene Reviewed and a new podcast called SciShow Tangents, are all going to be joining the WNYC family. Yeah, WNYC Studios is a, uh, as you may have heard, an organization that makes and produces and works with lots of great podcasts, and we are joining them. This podcast is, it will change basically nothing for you just for clarity and uh will make things easier for us and more stable for us and also potentially help us make better content and maybe even some other projects in the future yeah we're huge fans and have been for a long time of wnyc they make podcasts like radio lab and more perfect and nancy in fact, I've known our producer at WNYC uh, for more than 20 years, all of which means this is really exciting for us, but should not affect your listening experience that much, <laughs> except insofar yeah. as the quality of the audio might improve slightly. Yeah, if you think that this is going to result in like a, a, a fundamentally better Dear Hank and John experience, I've got news for you. This is as good as it could possibly be. No, yeah, we're going to... We've reached it. We're keeping the podcast crap. Don't worry about that. <laughs> but thank you to all of you who listen listen every week. It means the world to us. I also want to say that we're going on tour. Hank is going on a longer tour than I'm going on, but I will be with Hank when an absolutely remarkable thing comes out in New York on Tuesday, September Ooh. 25th. We'll be in Boston on Wednesday, September 26th. John and I will also be in Canton, Ohio, Chicago, Illinois, Kansas City, Missouri, and Indianapolis, Indiana. And then I'm moving on by myself and going to have some special guests in Milwaukee, Wisconsin, Denver, Los Angeles, San Diego, Santa Cruz, and Bellingham, Washington. So if you're in or near any of those places, please come see me and if you're in missoula montana i'll probably do a local event too but it will be separate and not part of this tour so we hope to see lots of you on tour now is the time to get tickets by the way because many of the shows are very close to selling out i am so excited for hank's book an absolutely remarkable thing it comes out on september 25th it is available for pre-order <laughs> now i can only say that for a few more days because soon it will just be available for order anyway let's roll the open Oh, and welcome to Dear Hank and John. Or as I prefer to think of it, Dear John and Hank. It's a comedy podcast where two brothers answer your questions, give you the bees advice, and bring you all the week's news from both Mars and AFC Wimbledon. John, 
Yeah. Uh, how do we start this podcast again? You tell a dad joke. Oh. We are. We have never been so unprepared. Sarah has been out of town for the last five days, and I, my sar- my circadian rhythms are completely off when Sarah is gone. Like I go to bed at two o'clock in the morning, and then I have to wake up and take the kids to school, and the kids are like, "What's wrong with you, Dad?" And I'm just like, I, I, I just, I, I, I thank God, let it, Hank. Sorry, what just happened? My circadias are also messed up. They're buzzing all in my brain because I just got back from Australia. And so I spent the hours of, of 12 to 3 o'clock in the morning uh, this this last day uh, awake, uh, very hungry, and, uh, and eventually eating quite a lot of uh, turkey cold guts. Uh, but, but we start the podcast with a dad joke. Yeah. So, John, yeah. what noise... Does a 747 make when it bounces? Uh, what noise does a 747 make when it bounces? Boeing. Boeing. Oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> Don't worry. Don't worry. Next week's dad joke is even better than that one. I, I, I got a bunch of collected already. It's great. I'm very excited about this new format. Oh, my God. The Great Barrier Reef is showing signs of recovery in good news. That's wonderful. I had heard that it was showing signs of the opposite of that. Well, don't worry. Uh, There has been massive (laughs) coral bleaching in 2016 and 2017. However, due to a milder 2017-2018 summer, you'll recall that down in Australia, summer, you know, goes right. Mm -hmm. Uh, As well as a lot of cooperation among lots of different groups uh there has been some recovery in the great barrier reef now the long-term worry is still that these uh you know mild summers may not be a permanent phenomenon so it's good news but if we don't stop (laughs) stop no no, it's just good news, John. Don't. It's global warming me. Okay, it's good news. It's good news. Hank, let's move on to some questions from our <laughs> listeners. The worst, the worst job we've ever done. I mean, we have an episode called The Worst Episode Ever, but we might have to update it. <laughs> oh, I didn't know that we had. We Yeah, well, the good news is that uh, we can always do worse. All right, Hank, we're going to answer some questions from our listeners, and we're going to do a good job of it because I just gave you a pep talk. That I think Nick probably <laughs> cut out of the podcast, but it had some curse words in it. It was a profanity-laden halftime team talk where I was like, "Hank, we've got to get into the podcast right now." This question comes from Mary Kate, who asks, "Dear John and Hank, I own a tank top that simply says Tuesday on it in big block letters. I've owned it for a while now, but I don't wear it very often because I only feel it's appropriate to wear on Tuesdays. However, <laughs> I really like the color and comfort of this tank top. Should I wear the tank top on days other than Tuesday?" Or will that just confuse people? Doobie's advice is appreciated. Ashley's sister, Mary-Kate. Oh, my God. It's from Mary-Kate Olson. <laughs> Mary-Kate <laughs> Olson wrote into the pod to ask us a fashion question. That is a surprise. That is a surprise. I, so, so, I mean, maybe you should approach this as if you are actually Mary-Kate Olson, which I'm not saying you aren't. Right. But say, like, look, I am a... a, a, a 
just a tremendously successful actress and business person. And I have done things that no one else has done before. And I was in that very good music video about pizza and I can do whatever I want. I am Mary Kate Olsen. I just punched my microphone a little bit. Yeah. Well, I can feel the passion. Yeah. You just got to ask yourself, Mary Kate, W W M K O D. Yeah. What what would Mary Kate Olsen do in this situation? And the answer is that she would wear that tank top. Yeah. Almost. At, she'd probably wear it once because she has a lot of outfits. <laughs> um, she'd set that trend, man. You got it. What you got to do is get a, a one for every day of the week, but then never wear them on the right day. Right. Yeah. No, that's what it's my a, son does with his day of the week underwear. It's very it's a it's a power move. You're just <laughs> <laughs> everybody will respect you because they'll be like, I'm just very confused when Mary Kate is around. Yeah. Do you know you want to know a fascinating fact about Mary Kate Olsen, Hank? Sure. I mean, always. Mary Kate Olsen is 32 years old. Oh, wow. Do you know how old Ashley Olsen is? <laughs> <laughs> That's a good joke, John. You really, you really sold that one. <laughs> Let's move on to the next question. There's a bunch of people out there, by the way, who have no idea who Mary Kate and Ashley Olsen are. Yeah. Do not know that they are twins. Did not get that joke until I just explained that they are twins. Now you know. For context, the reason it's so alarming to Hank and me that Mary Kate and Ashley Olsen are 32 years old no, is that... No, we don't need to continue explaining okay. this. I... No, Hank, just jokes... Just look it up. If you're confused, look it up. Hank, jokes get funnier when you explain them more. Everyone knows that. <laughs> That's one of the... This next question comes from Ward. It's going <laughs> to shut you up. My mom just started a choir with her colleagues from work, and they are terrible. They practice at home, and it's hard to avoid the noise. This on its own isn't a problem. I'm glad that you think so, Ward. You can always put the podcast in. But, Ward says, I sing in a pretty good choir myself. So my mom sees me as the authority on choir music and asks for my advice or to listen for mistakes. If I would be honest, I would say the whole thing is a mistake, but they're clearly (laughs) having fun and I don't want to ruin it for them. How do I give advice that doesn't hurt feelings, but is still somewhat helpful? Ward and of the North. Hank, before I answer this question, can I just note that maybe we've been doing such a terrible job of the pod so far because we're trying to reassure people that the fact that we're now a fancy WNYC podcast does not mean that we're going to be good. (laughs) So we're partnering with WNYC and we want to give you a really subpar product right now so you don't think anything's changing. Ward, you have to tell your mother, I'm glad you're having fun. It sounds like you're having fun and things that are technically true while also not being cruel. And if she asks you, how is the quality of our singing? You can say like, oh, I mean, I don't think that you're a professional choir, but I don't think you're trying to be. You're having fun. Ward, uh, maybe you should go to, uh, I don't know, someone who is more expert than us, like your choir director, who is a person that you, I assume, know, and and, and lay out the sitch and, and say like... You know, that like that person is probably aware of how to deal with, with uh, singers at all levels. And maybe there is some, some insight you can get from there. But I think John's right. Like, ultimately, things like this don't have to be about perfection. They can be about fun. And, uh, and so keep that in mind. And, uh, you know, be supportive of the fun that, you're, that the people in your lives want to have. 
Hank, I think it's terrible advice to go to your choir director or to go to anyone with more expertise than we have, because all that does is undercut our brand <laughs> as providing high quality advice on a variety of topics that we have no expertise in. Yeah, because like, yeah, I really can't tell you how to direct a choir ward. Well, this is but not, you also can't a... tell Mary Kate Olsen how to wear a tank top, but that's not yeah, slowing you down. I can totally do that because I have worn tank tops, John. I've done that. <laughs> I've never directed a choir. I mean, I, I would submit that you are not an expert in wearing tank tops based on every single time I have ever seen you wear a tank top. <laughs> when was the last time you saw me wear a tank top, John? I, well, uh, it's been a long time, but it is seared in my memory because what? you do not look I, I say this with a lot of respect and admiration for you as a person but you cannot pull off a tank top I think that most of the time when I put on tank tops they look good if I'm also wearing a shirt underneath is that right uh <laughs> no <laughs> Mary Kate whatever Hank said about when to wear your Tuesday tank top you need to do the opposite <laughs> I don't know. It just like it, it kind of like tugs the shirt onto you more firmly, and then you've got sort of a, you know, a real good situation yeah. on the top half. Yeah, you wear an undershirt over your regular shirt. That's why they call it an an overshirt. I'm <laughs> doing that every day of tour now. It's my new thing. Oh God, Somebody send me some tank tops. Please don't do that. It drives Come out me on crazy. stage and be like, hello, my name is Hank Grimm, a very serious author man. Oh. Uh, you can tell because of... It's like how Neil Gaiman like started wearing leather all the time. And they were like, oh, Neil Gaiman is like the cool leather guy. He's like an author and he's awesome and he like writes really good books. But also he's like cool looking and maybe a little bit like... I'm a little afraid because he's like, I don't know, there's some kind of like dark vibe going on there. But I'm going to be the guy in like the tank top over the t-shirt and people are going to think something about that yeah they'll think something about it and that's all that matters john that people are thinking something about me it's the only commodity we have left uh, that is genuinely what an absolutely remarkable thing is about so <laughs> I, I guess it would be on brand this next question comes from kelly who writes dear john and hank what is the worst snack you've ever had I ask because the world needs more cautionary tales on bad snacks. On a road trip, I once had a bag of fish jerky and washed it down with stevia sweetened root beer. Many regret. Hey, fish? don't say anything bad about stevia sweetened root beer, Kelly. Come on. Fish jerky is not a thing, is it? That's the worst thing I've ever heard. You know oh, what I've always oh, think about fish it's is can we can we contract no. the flavor the the flavor part? I want more of the flavor part. No. Oh, my God. No. The worst snack that I've ever had by a very wide margin. When Sarah and I started dating, she was working at an art gallery, and I went to all of the art gallery shows because I wanted her to like me. And one of them was a performance piece. I don't like, I like performance art, like the idea of it. I don't like experiencing performance art because a lot of times the artist interacts with the audience, which is the thing that makes me most uncomfortable in the entire world. Mm -hmm. So it's like being at a play where you are told five seconds before the play starts that you are in fact an actor in the play. And there was this artist 
and he was interacting <laughs> with the audience and he was sort of like weaving around them and he would get his face really up close to your face and I would you'd have to like not scrunch your face in fear because you wanted to look like you were cool <laughs> and a regular person and not the kind yeah. of person you know who yeah. freaks out when people are in your personal space and then he handed me a piece of candy and I was like huh yeah okay and everyone else was unwrapping their candy so I was like fine okay I'll unwrap my candy and everyone else put it in their mouths and I was like oh god I gotta put this strange man's candy in my mouth and I put it in my mouth mouth and it was crab flavored oh man that got i thought it was just gonna be regular candy and it was the worst snack because the strange man put it into your mouth but it was crab candy crab too. candy it was crab candy it was crab candy and i mean i had to sit there and <laughs> suck on this crab candy for like 12 minutes because oh. i didn't want to be rude and spit it out oh that's the 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 societal pressure is amazing john it will it will make you do anything there are so many things that we will do because it just seems like it's what's expected of us and this is the most extreme example i've ever heard of that <laughs> afterwards the artist was completely normal um and he was just like hanging out having a glass of wine with me and he was like what'd you think of the candy and i was like uh yeah no i mean yeah it was good sure you, you didn't say it was bad? No, just as I told Ward not to tell his mom that her choir is bad. But the guy didn't make the candy. I, what's the worst snack you ever had? What's the worst snack I ever had? I don't know. Uh, so in these like brief moments before I'm officially sponsored by Metamucil. <laughs> oh my God. Before before the before I sign the contract, uh, they they make uh, these little Metamucil wafers that are supposed to be cookies, yeah. and it's a huge lie. And I, <laughs> I, and they're so, like people in my office eat them because Metamucil sent sent us a bunch of them. Uh -huh. And if you are very hungry, they are food. Right. Uh, but I, I find them to be uh, much less enjoyable than just the normal Metamucil powder uh, because you it just like the whole experience stays in your mouth for a much longer time, and you have to be careful if you put the whole thing in there at once it expands man that's the whole point of of psyllium husk is that it gets bigger and it absorbs a lot of water and then suddenly you're like i i can't my mouth is now all this and nothing if you put two of those things in your mouth you might not live there's a warning on the box i'm not even kidding <laughs> I can't wait till you are in an actual television commercial for this actual product. And you're like, Metamucil wafers, they're delicious. Don't eat two. <laughs> oh, man. This uh, is this probably is not the worst snack I've ever had, though. John, uh, you also left off the, the last half of this question. First of all, I looked up fish jerky. It's totally a thing, and it actually looks pretty good. I saw some. I was like, "That's not doesn't look bad." And it was twenty five dollars, and you get free shipping if you pay that oh, much. You better. Uh, but I do also have to bring up that the situation was made even less palatable for Kelly by the one hundred plus coyote scats baking in the trunk of their car, which they were transporting for thesis research. And also, the Nam specific sign off is "Cheers, Smelly Kelly." I just didn't want to like leave that not in everybody's brains because I I'm happy that it was in mine. I just think that people do such important work, John, and sometimes it means transporting a lot, a lot of coyote poop. Can you imagine like how unexpected a turn of events it must be for one of those mice that got eaten by that coyote that then got pooped out that then ended up in Kelly's trunk? <laughs> 
yeah, and then at a, at a laboratory somewhere. But the good news is that the mouse does not know about this. Well, I mean, we don't know that for sure. It's <laughs> just like watching from yeah. mouse heaven being like, what are you doing what now? What an afterlife I'm what having. What are you doing now? This is the indignity. All right. <laughs> Take me to my my people's burial grounds. <laughs> oh man! Imagine like a, a spirit world where mice cannot rest until <laughs> until they've been taken to the right place. You know the depth of the disrespect. God, I don't, I, I can't tell if this is offensive to religious people, even though I am a religious person. So. <laughs> All right, Hank, this next question comes from Emily, who writes, Dear John and Hank, I've been in a relationship with someone for almost 10 months now. Hank, do you remember when you counted your relationship by months? Literally, no. No, I do not. I remember, like, celebrating my six-month anniversary with Sarah, which now does seem a little ludicrous. But no, no, it's great. You should count by months. I I, I wish we still counted by months. We're in, like, month 190. It is currently going really well, and I have hopes it may continue for a very long time. Together, we are going to a common friend's wedding in a month. Should I join the rest of the ladies to try to catch the bouquet Mm. my partner and i are nowhere near talking about marriage and the risk of actually catching it is stressful on the other hand i want to participate in the celebration traditions advice especially dubious advice is appreciated pumpkins and penguins emily john i've witnessed a lot a lot like a surprising number of bouquet tosses in my time and i can tell you something about every single one of them the person who catches that bouquet wanted to catch it 100 percent. nobody ever <laughs> catches it by accident yeah no there's 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 been fights uh and and if it comes down to it just give it a tip and be like oh i didn't get it uh, and you knock it into somebody else's hand. Yeah, Emily, you just line up to be part of the bouquet catching, and then you don't catch the bouquet. I have to say, of the wedding traditions, this is the one that I find the weirdest. And at our own wedding, Sarah was like, I really don't want to do this. Huh. And there were other forces in the wedding that were like, you're going to do it. So she did. Yeah. But it is... It's a weird tradition. I don't. I don't dislike this one, John. I, the, there's. I've seen one. I have been to a lot of weddings where the the groom has to put a garter belt onto the bride in front of everyone. Oh yeah. This is much worse to me. Yeah. And every like inch above the knee is a decade of happy marriage or something. And I'm just like, no. Yeah. No. Yeah. There are children I, here. I'm very uncomfortable. I feel like that one's mostly gone away. Let me propose to you uh, a, a potential situation, though, in, in which Emily is not the only one who feels this way and is, in fact, um, uh, that all of all of the people feel this way. And thus the, the bouquet just just like falls, like does a nice little arc and then just like, woo, and everybody's sort of like jumping up and down. And then it just falls straight to the ground in a circle of people being like, I didn't want it. Nobody wanted it. And that's okay. Let me propose that that would be that would be a sort of remarkable and exciting thing to have happen, not like embarrassing. It would be very funny, and I think that that's fine. Yeah, I mean, let's root for that outcome. Nobody gets the bouquet. Everybody dies alone. <laughs> or or our fate is not decided by a bunch of flowers. And in fact, you can have a completely fulfilling life without romance in your life. So, yeah, lots of reasons to not catch the bouquet. Unless you want to catch it, then do. I'm not here to judge your bouquet strategy. I just think you can line up 
and choose whether to catch it when the moment comes. This next question comes from Ken, who asks, Dear Hank and John, can I take apples off the ground? There's a house across the street from me that has an apple tree, and there are so many apples that just fall off and sit there. Are they mine now? I think that the tree grows more apples than a person could possibly eat, but I don't know how many people live at that house. Maybe there's like an army in there, packed in like a clown car. <laughs> apples and aardvarks, Ken. <laughs> I'm glad you're exploring all the options, Ken. The thing, the thing is, Ken, if there is an army inside of this house, yeah, I'd be concerned. You would think that they would be eating the apples, right? Well, I would think that I am worried that this person is hoarding an army, and so I want to deprive them of resources. Great point, Hank. We need to make sure that there are no well-organized private militias in the United States trying to take over our apple orchards and possibly the rest of our country. That's right. That's right. And why else would you need that many apples? I mean, give me a reason. Justify yourself, mm. apple tree owner. Apple farming? Apple cider make making? Or just the apple tree if got bigger than they expected. I mean, isn't it possible that this person just runs an extremely small apple farm and that Ken is essentially <laughs> trying to steal their livelihood from them? They're on the ground. Once they're on the ground, they're questionable as to whether Ken should eat them for health reasons. Oh, I'm not worried about that at all. But I don't know. I was th I was thinking about this question because I was thinking, now, if somebody were in my garden and a tomato were on the ground mm. and they picked that tomato, I would be mad because I not because they picked the tomato, but because why are you in my garden, Ken? <laughs> yeah, but if it falls on the other side of the fence, that's fair game. The, there is a lot of fruit yeah. around in my town right now. And frankly, it they, the, the, the town doesn't even let you plant fruit trees in the boulevards anymore because like no one picks the fruit and it just sits there and gets stinky and then the squirrels eat it and they get drunk and then they are crazy squirrels and wait what well the fruit ferments on the ground and the squirrels eat it and they get drunk shut up squirrels do not get drunk off of ground fruit they do and it happens to bats too bats can no. bats can get drunk no yep. no definitely a thing drunk fruit Squirrels. It happened on Naked I, and Afraid too, where this guy was really hungry and he needed to drunk? eat food, and so he ate some rotten food and he got he got really drunk. Or well, he had what? he hadn't eaten in like two days, so he didn't get that drunk. He didn't, but he didn't eat a lot of alcohol and that fruit to make him get a little tipsy. And to be clear, I only know this because I was told this by Hannah Hart. I do not watch Naked and Afraid. Yeah, that seems like something that somebody who watches Naked and Afraid would say. <laughs> <laughs> I put naked and afraid in turtles all the way down. And so I felt like I had to watch an episode of it. Yeah. And, uh, I, but I watched it. I watched it after I wrote the scene, you know, yeah. as you do. Yeah. And, uh, I watched the show and I was like, yeah, no, this, uh, it's pretty much what I expected. I mean, they really do cover it in the title. Yeah. <laughs> Just some naked people who are pretty afraid. Yeah. Uh, Imagine, just pause, pause the Apple question just for a second, Hank, so that we can imagine together the pitch meeting at which Naked and Afraid uh, was created. So you walk into the Discovery Channel and, and you're like, yeah, we got a few shows we want to uh, pitch you. One is about alligator hunters in New Orleans. It's called uh, Alligator Town. Uh -huh. And they're like, ah, Alligator Town. I mean, it sounds good. It's not great. And then you're like, okay, our other show is called Naked and Afraid. <laughs> and the <laughs> Discovery Channel people are just like, 
Here is a pile of money. Yeah. You know what? You know what we need to do with that? with Naked and Afraid is uh, get some people to sign some disclaimers and put them in situations where they might die. I don't know what the law is here, going back to the apples, but I do think that somebody's got to eat them. And if it's not you, it's going to be drunk squirrels. I'm not super worried about the public health problem of drunk squirrels. I'm a little worried about... Ken trespassing onto someone else's land to eat someone else's apples. Especially if there's an army in there. Like, that's not safe. Yeah, I, I would I would knock on the door and say, hey, uh, can I pick some of your apples or eat some of your ground apples yeah. so that the squirrels don't get drunk? Mm-hmm. Or alternately, uh, just, you know, let it go. Which reminds me, John, that this podcast is brought to you by Naked and Afraid. Naked and Afraid, this week on Discovery. A <laughs> um, man and a woman are uncomfortable. In the, in the woods, they get bit by bugs a bunch. Don't you want to watch those bug bites? Today's podcast is also brought to you by Crab Candy. Crab Candy, Ooh, just just don't. Just don't. That's not a good snack. This podcast is also brought to you by Tuesday Tank Tops. Tuesday is a brand name of new tank tops that is available from Hank and John Green. Uh, you can get them at the space store it's in outer space you have to get to space that's why elon musk is working so hard because he wants to get one of those tank tops today's podcast is also brought to you by elon musk elon musk you can get a tesla model (laughs) three and a spaceship for only for only sixty two thousand dollars yeah it's thirty five thousand dollar car that costs sixty two thousand dollars it's the deal of the century. <laughs> I guess finally this podcast is brought to you by the Mouse Burial Grounds, where the mouse go to be respected after death. <laughs> I like that you're including that, which forces Nick to put it in the pod. <laughs> you can't take it out now. This podcast is also brought to you by the Green Brothers Neck Wash, which is not what? a joke we've made yet. It's a joke we're about to make. <laughs> So listen, your toilet is massively gross, like it's grosser than you think. In fact, bacteria and viruses can hang around in the toilet bowl even after multiple flushes. And I recently found the easiest way to clean my toilet, Blue Land's Sustainable Toilet Cleaner Tablets. Just drop, watch it fizz, brush, and flush. It is truly that simple. No more scrubbing for hours. Plus, the tablets are plastic-free. Blue Land is on a mission to eliminate single-use plastic by reinventing cleaning essentials to be better for you and for the planet with the same powerful clean that you're used to. Blue Land products are effective and affordable, and their toilet tablets are proven to work on a wide range of toilet stains, including rust, mineral deposits, lime scale, and hard water. And you can even get more savings by buying refills in bulk or setting up a subscription. Blue Land has a special offer for our listeners. Right now, you can get 15% off your first order by going to blueland.com slash dearhank. You won't want to miss this blueland.com slash dearhank for 15% off. That's blueland.com slash dearhank to get 15% off. This, this next question, this next question comes from Danny. Oh, you're, oh, you're doing that? You're doing it right you're now? You're doing that? Yeah. Oh, great. Okay. Last well, year, Hank and John, the other day I was washing my face in the shower and I started to wonder, do you use face wash on your neck or body wash on your neck? The neck is obviously not part of your face, but the skin seems too sensitive for body wash. Help, I'm conflicted. Not Disney, but Danny. <laughs> I love, our, I love our, our listeners' bad jokes. 
So bad. <laughs> not sure. I'm not sure that Hank Boeing Boeing Green is in a position to criticize other people's jokes. <laughs> hey, I'm gonna do a Twitter poll when the podcast comes out, and I'm gonna find out what people think about about that joke, John. I bet people are gonna love it. Yeah. Yeah. No, I bet. Danny, your neck <laughs> is. I'm going to be honest with you, Danny. I just use soap on my neck up to what I call the beard line, oh. just above my Adam's apple. Uh-huh. And then from there up, I do use face wash. Huh. So I don't know if that's the right way, but that's my way. I think that there there is a point there. My I get sort of like dry, itchy feeling on my neck and back. And, and like, hey. You can do you, do whatever you want. But I do think that like maybe there's a maybe there's a segment of the body that doesn't have a wash yet. But the question is, will we eventually just need a rack in our showers that's like, okay, well it's time for the face, then it's time for the neck, then I've got my special peck wash, and then this is for this is just for my armpits. Come like, do we need this? Is this where we're headed as a society? No, no, but I think that's a great example of how yeah. uh-huh. like slippery slope arguments work on Twitter yeah. where someone's like, hey, should I use face wash um, below my chin? And then someone else is like, oh, now everything's falling apart. <laughs> Soon we'll have toe great. wash. Great. I mean, yeah, fine. Let's just have let's just have foot wash and ankle wash and calf wash. And why, why are, are is this even America? <laughs> Exactly right, John. That is that's that that is not what I intended to illustrate, but I did illustrate it through my own uh, worrying about whether or not we were going to have washes for everything. <laughs> all right, Hank. Before we get to the all important news from Mars and AFC Wimbledon, this last question comes from Ashley, who writes, "Dear John and Hank, I was just shopping at Marshalls, and while there, I acquired an aloe vera plant. Hmm. I didn't buy it, though. I had an intention oh. of buying it. I even thought I bought it. I got several other things that I did pay for, and I guess the checkout clerk just missed ringing the plant up. Oh. What should I do? Did I technically steal the plant? Should I try to go back and pay for it, or should I just think of it as a gift from the universe? <laughs> well, it's not. It's definitely not a gift from the universe. It's, if anything, it's a gift from Marshalls." because it it was 4.99 if that changes anything (laughs) it doesn't it doesn't doesn't. oh it does it absolutely changes something because the thought of driving back to marshall's which is going to cost like three dollars in gas and add to the world's carbon emissions in order to pay for a four dollar and 99 cent aloe vera plant is ludicrous uh i mean uh but but you but you didn't pay for it Okay, you didn't pay for it, Hank, Ugh. but it was give it was put in your cart and you intended to pay for it and that's just the way that it went this time. It's just and other times it will go a different way and that stuff evens out over a lifetime and furthermore, let me submit that in a capitalist society, the big corporations do a good enough job extracting stuff out of you mm. if occasionally you get a bonus for all of that, then take your aloe vera plant and run because God knows <laughs> it isn't going to happen very often. <laughs> I'm gonna, I'm gonna say that next time you you should take the receipt off the plant, and next time you're at Marshalls, you should you should buy it. You should buy the plant. I mean, I'd love to hear from Marshalls on this issue because I think they'd probably be like, uh, yeah, whatever, Ashley. I mean, as long as you're happy and you want to come back to Marshalls at some point, we're good. <laughs> I bet you're right. I don't know. I, I, 
I have I have definitely done this before where I got a free thing from the grocery store and went back and was like, I got this thing for free. Can I pay for it now? I'm actually going to tweet at Marshall's. <laughs> hey, so theoretically, if I accidentally stole a plant from you. No, I'm not writing that. That doesn't make any sense. I'm writing, hey, Marshall's, uh, uh, how do you feel about this whole Ashley thing? Question mark. Okay. And then, and then they'll uh, have to do the research themselves. They'll figure it out, Hank. They're Marshall's. <laughs> For God's right, sakes, John. man. They're the seventh largest company in America. All right, John. Well, before we get to the all-important news from Mars and AFC Wimbledon, I have an update on the Twitter poll from last episode where we were talking about doing laundry for someone else. I asked Twitter, I said, hey, if you're doing laundry for someone else, the change in their pants pockets uh, either still belongs to them or belongs to you now. And most people said that the money now belongs to you. I I was right. People agree with you. I was right. You were wrong. And Marshalls is very confused about my question about Ashley. <laughs> Hank. Yeah. Uh, what is the news from Mars this week? It's bleak, John. Oh, no. As, as you all, of course, know, the Opportunity rover uh, launched in 2003. It's been on Mars since 2004. So it's 14 years on Mars. It's been an extremely long and successful mission. It's very exciting and very good. Uh, but they have not... Uh, as sunlight has started to come back through this dust storm that has been covering up opportunity, preventing it from getting power through its solar panels, um, it is not powered back up. It is not called home. And we've even sent it some little beeps to be like, hey, can you send us a beep? And it hasn't beeped back at us. Um, and uh, it's it's worrying. Um, and NASA does eventually have to make a call. It's a hard call to make because this is a long mission and it's been it's done so such amazing things and done a lot of amazing science over the years. But um the the deadline is that after the like there's sort of an arbitrary amount of like sunlight going through the atmosphere. Uh it's 1.5 tau. I don't know what that unit is, but when that's reached, they'll then have 45 days after that. So once the rover's getting a certain amount of light, they get 45 days. And if the rover doesn't call home before then, the team will sort of basically disband a little bit. People will get moved to other positions um, and they will continue listening passively. So they won't be like active listening. They'll listen passively for, uh, I think, until... Uh, January or something, but at that point, it's very unlikely that they'll hear anything. Uh, and then the rover that that team will not be working on Opportunity anymore because they will basically have said that Opportunity is not an active mission, and the, everyone's pretty sure that they won't be hearing back. The good news is that Curiosity still has a lot of mission life and also is a more robust science experiment and has a lot uh, of of science and is has done and will continue to do lots of science. So we do still have an active rover on Mars that is a bigger, better mission and are planning another one in 2020 uh, that is very similar to Curiosity. So that's happening and Curiosity just sent back a really beautiful selfie that it took uh, as the dust storm was dissipating, which is really cool. And it's not powered by solar panels. It's powered by uh, radioactive decay and the heat caused by it. So you can't slow this boy down. He's good. <laughs> well, I'm still very sad to hear that news because yeah. it it has been such an incredible run and it's such a great story and but 
I guess that everything has to end. Speaking of endings, oh God, mm. AFC Wimbledon's losing streak needs to end and soon. <laughs> AFC Wimbledon. Didn't you win a game or something? AFC Wimbledon got four points from their first two games, a win and a draw, and uh-huh. one point from their most recent four games in League One. It's a mm. very worrisome situation. In several of those games, we played brilliantly but just didn't Mm. get a result. And then after trying that several times, we thought we would try a whole new strategy against Burton, which was to play terribly. And it turned out that also didn't work. (laughs) We lost that game 3-0 and deserved to lose it 3-0. And so now AFC Wimbledon are in 20th place in League One, just one point away from the relegation places. Back back at that end of the table, I do not enjoy visiting. Mm Mm-hmm. Ah, so we're playing Gillingham over the weekend, which should be an interesting game, partly because nobody knows for sure if Gillingham is pronounced with a soft G or a hard G, and partly because uh, who's plays for Gillingham now but former Wimbledon captain Barry Fuller, whom I personally miss desperately, and it'll be nice to uh, see him even if uh, he is uh, uh, lining up as an opponent against AFC Wimbledon. It, it'll, it'll be a nice kind of homecoming. Hopefully we can get a result from that game because I am starting to get officially nervous. Yeah, it's, I, I was on the the internet and it said that you won a game in penalties. Was that something else? Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's one of the other competitions. Oh, okay. So that doesn't count for points? No, not in the League One season. It's a nice thing to have happened in the Football League trophy. Uh, we played Charlton. We scored two good goals, and from two players who don't usually start for Wimbledon, we also played a pretty good game against West Ham, the Premier League opposition, with some players who don't usually start for Wimbledon, which is starting to make me think that maybe those players should start for Wimbledon, like some of the younger players, some of the academy prospects uh, are looking pretty good, at least in those games, but... It's hard to know. But yeah, we won uh, that game on penalties 4-2, to two, and uh, that means that we might get out of the Football League trophy group stage. But my main concern at this point is ensuring another season in League One, since next season is hopefully when we'll be moving into the new stadium. Well, uh, best of luck. I, I want sports to be good for John Thanks. and other fans. Thanks. I feel the same way about Rovers on Mars. Hank. Mm-hmm. Thank you for potting with me. It has been a pleasure as always. And thanks to everybody for listening. We're off to record our patron only podcast this week in Ryan's, which you can get at patreon.com slash dear Hank and John. But don't worry if you can't. It's not that good. This podcast is edited by Nicholas Jenkins, who this week had an even harder job than (laughs) usual. So thank you, Nick. Our head of community and communications is Victoria Bongiorno. The podcast is produced by Rosiana Hals-Roas and Sheridan Gibson. The music that you're hearing right now is from the great Gunnarola. And as they say in our hometown, don't don't forget forget to be be awesome. awesome.